0: I just thought, um, if we could, can we just close our eyes for a moment? I just want to share something that the Lord put on my heart during worship. You know, we were singing in that last song about our praise as incense. And I was reminded of, I didn't look up the passage. We have to take my word for it. It is in the Bible. It's in the book of Revelation. It talks about the angel with this. Golden bowl filled with the prayers and the worship of the saints being offered up to the Lord as a fragrant offering. And I had this sense just as we were worshipping of our worship going up to Him. But that part's in the Bible. This next part is not necessarily, but it was, this is what the Lord impressed upon me as that worship, the worship, the prayer of the saints was offered up in the throne room of God. It was like this. River of gold glory that came forth. The praise and the prayers went up and the glory came down. And it wasn't just a trickle. It wasn't just the offspray. It was this mighty, glorious river that was coming forth. I just thought we might just take a moment. I know we don't have the keyboard in here. But can we just lift up to the Lord the one who's worthy of our praise and our worship and our adoration. Just in whatever way you like, just lift your voices. Just exalt his name, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let our praise be as incense. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Glorious God, we exalt your name, Jesus. We exalt your name. Thank you, Jesus. Just continue. Let's just continue and bring the Lord our worship and our praise. Bring to the Lord our offering. Yes, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I praise your eyes today, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Lord, we never want to miss a moment, an opportunity to give glory to your name. Lord, I pray that. Not only our words and our songs but our lives would be a pleasing fragrant offering to you for you are the one who's truly worthy of all that we are of every breath everything we have is a gift from you and we give it willingly and freely we lay it before you and lord may this be the day and the time and the hour that as the worship and the praise arises in the hearts of your people that your glory falls again, that glorious river of your presence. Let it come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Even as we gather this morning, would your name be exalted, King Jesus, and would you come and move amongst us, your daughters and son. We pray in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Take a deep breath. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Well, it's a uh, a real privilege. I think I've spoken many times in different settings, but never before have I been invited to speak to the women's group. So thank you for having me. I count it a privilege. I feel like I've made it somehow. Hopefully it won't be the first and last time. But I don't want to uh, sort of preach a sermon as much as just share something that's on my heart. hope that's okay. We will turn to a passage of Scripture in a moment. If you want to get ready, we're heading to the book of Revelation. That's where we're going. But I really want to share something that the Lord has impressed upon my heart in recent months, and I could say recent weeks even more so something that's growing and developing, that he's really putting his finger upon in my life. Let me introduce it this way. You know, I think it's so important to have the right perspective in life in general, different areas. Last week, I met up with my father as we regularly do for coffee. This was the drama of my week. We turned up at the coffee store, the local one that we normally go to at 7.30 and the coffee shop was closed. They lost power to the building. There was no coffee available. I know. I'm glad you're feeling my pain, thank you. people talk sometimes about being hangry, don't they, which is where you're so hungry that you're angry. But I think we should coin a new term which is kangry, you know, so in need of coffee that you just get grumpy and angry. So we said, what are we gonna do? I said, well, let's go to Arendelle. There's some coffee shops there. Great, we hopped in the cars. We arrived. Well, I arrived at the coffee shop and there was no sign of my father. I thought this is a bit odd. I waited a few moments. I called him up. I said, Dad, where are you? And he's like, what do you mean, where am I? Where are you? I said, well, I'm at the coffee store. He said, no, no, I'm at the coffee store. Turns out there's more than one coffee store at Arendelle. Who would have thought? So I had presumed that we were going one place and that had determined my direction. And he had presumed we were going to an entirely different coffee store. Well, it's a little bit like we love to go as a family, we found this place that works. Before we had kids, family holidays were an adventure. We'd want something new and exciting, now we just want something that works, that you can go to, you know what you're getting into, you know it's going to be all right. So we've got this place, it's at Burley Heads, just south of the Gold Coast, lovely apartment, there's the beach there, there's a boardwalk, there's nice parks to go to, shops, everything you can imagine so sometimes I say to my kids right oh we're going to go outside and we're going to do something in the great outdoors and often I'll get because we're all different and all of my girls are different and so I'll get one girl who'll turn up with swimmers and surfboard in hand she'll say right let's go let's go to the beach let's go for a swim another girl will turn up with a scooter in hand and say right let's go for a walk and then the other girl will turn up with something completely different like a tennis racket saying oh Point being, they all knew they were going outside, but their perspective of what that meant determined their response, it determined their action. If I can bring the analogy to a spiritual level, we've in recent months discovered a series of DVDs for kids. You may have heard of it, it's called Superbook. And what they do in this series, it's a cartoon series that does, and I know there's a number of other uh, similar things out there, but they portray Bible stories. So they've got one particular episode, which is on Daniel and the lion's den, and they've got one on David and Goliath and these famous biblical stories. Then they have some other interesting ones, like they had this one DVD on the miracles of Jesus, and they did some of the main miracles, and then one of the miracles they did was the deliverance of the the, uh, Gazarian demoniac you know, where he has legions of demons, and Jesus cast the demons out, and the pigs, and well, that generated some interesting discussion with my girls. But in the last couple of weeks, and we hire these from the school library, so we get a few each week, and the kids are just loving them, but they do one, and they do it really well on the book of Revelation. Just think about how you would put that together in a a kid's DVD. But they do a quite a good job, this portrayal of the Book of Revelation, although it's more focused really on the final battle, the Battle of Armageddon, where Satan and the forces of darkness are there, and he comes Jesus riding on the white horse with legions of angels. He delivers humanity, and then at the very last scene, you know, the famous um, proclamation by the Lord: "Behold, I'm making all things new." And there's this is restoration there's no more sickness and disease and the kids have been fascinated with this asking all these questions and Lily who's four years of age she's really grabbed a hold of this as a four-year-old can and the first thing was she was just so excited with this thing of Jesus is coming back like Jesus is coming back and so my wife was doing the groceries last week and she said she was sitting there in the trolley and everybody who listened she said Jesus is coming back Did you know know that Jesus is coming back? He is coming back. Great, preach it. People weren't quite sure what to do with that. Oh, okay. And then it was interesting because she kind of went from this place of, wow, this is incredible, Jesus is coming back. And then a few days later, she she was quite sad. She was actually very teary because we'd been talking about, well, when Jesus comes back, what happens to people who don't believe in Jesus? And so, yes, maybe a little evangelist, but she she literally had this burden of grief, and she'd say, "But, but, Daddy, there's people we know, there's people in our family who don't know Jesus. We've got to pray for them." And she was she had this just burden. I said, "Great, well, let's pray right now. Let's pray that they would come to know the Lord Jesus." But as I've kind of witnessed that, and the Lord always shows me so many different things through my kids, I thought it's so fascinating how a perspective of what's to come totally changes and transforms and makes a difference in the here and now. And if, as we think about the return of Christ, I mean, there's two things that, that should produce in us. One is this sense of hope. That's our hope. There's a day when He's coming. There'll be no more war, there'll be no more disease, there'll be no more famine no more evil, but also it should produce in us this urgency and this desire. If you knew that the Lord was coming back next week, I don't know about what you'd do, but for me, there'd be this joy, but there'd, there'd be this urgency of I need to make sure that I've let everybody know. Even those people who perhaps I've in the past tried to witness to, but there'd be this urgency of the Lord is coming back. I need to do everything I can to make you aware of who He is and His goodness and His grace and His saving power. All of that by way of introduction to say there's one thing in particular in terms of perspectives that I feel in particular that the Lord's put on my heart. So we've got a Bible, and it's a perspective that makes all the difference in the here and now. As I said, we're going to the book of Revelation, it's just that kind of morning. Revelation chapter nineteen. The whole chapter is a wonderful chapter to read. But we're going to pick up if you're following along from chapter nineteen, verse six. And John says this Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder. Just picture what it is that he's seeing. And they're crying out, Hallelujah. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said, these are the true words of God. I'm sure all of us have read this picture, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then if you are following along, just flip over a couple of chapters. One of the last phrases in the book of Revelation, Jesus has said, Behold, I'm coming soon. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then verse 17 says this, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Isn't that wonderful? This whole story, this whole ap- ap- apocalyptic, the apocalyptic vision that John gets, the end times, it ends in what way? With this longing of a bride a bridegroom. The Spirit and the bride say, come. This perspective is important for this reason. You know, Jesus came and we focus on this so often and it's a wonderful thing to focus on. We've just had Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, but He came to die for us. He came to give up His life in our place. He came to take on Himself our sin and our shame suffering that by His stripes we would be healed. He came to, s- to save sinners, but He's coming back for a bride. Don't get me wrong, He's forever our healer, He's forever our Savior, but He is also the lover of our souls. And you see, I believe that we, we pray differently, we act differently, we head different places. If we can grab a hold of the reality that not only has He saved us, but He loves us. That His invitation and that the desire of His heart is not just to extend mercy and forgiveness and grace, but it's to invite us into a covenant of love, to pursue us as His bridegroom. And I know I mentioned a few Sundays ago, just in passing in one of my messages, this... um, encounter I guess you could call it as we we're praying as a pastoral team and this picture that the Lord showed us and it was me Catherine and Adam there just of the the preparation of the bride and Catherine afterwards she was per- very affected by it personally weeping and she said well I'm the only one who's had an experience of being a bride and Adam and I said praise the Lord that's a good thing it's a very good thing. And as I mentioned that in the sermon, Landa came up to me afterwards and she said, Oh, you'll, you'll never guess what. I know you mentioned that in passing, but the Lord has just spoken to me about, I think she said she was walking up a hill, if I get this correct. And the Lord said uh, that what he's doing in this season and this time is he's preparing the bride. Along those kind of lines. I Sorry if I misquoted you. But there, was, there was that emphasis and there was excitement in her about, Hey, you're hearing the same thing that I'm hearing. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But, you know, I'm always careful to say I feel like the Lord's saying this or the Lord's doing that because I do feel like there's a sense in which we will stand account for all the things that we've attributed to him. And we can be far too flippant in today's church of saying, well, the Lord said this and the Lord said that. So I don't want to say, you know, the Lord has, has spoken this to me, but I do want to say that there has been this growing, growing sense of expectancy and excitement about what the Lord is doing in this season. And he's spoken not just to me, but to the pastoral team. He's spoken to others who've come and and people who've not normally heard from him with a degree of clarity. He's not here, so I'm happy to mention his name, but Adam for example, he's he's come a number of times to me and he said, you know what, I've never really had dreams from the Lord before, but God just keeps giving me dreams and he keeps sharing them. And he was so encouraged. One particular time we had our our meeting and the two of I were talking and he said, oh, I've got to share this dream. And so he shared this dream that the Lord had given him and what he thought it meant. And then it was that, that very morning after we'd had that conversation, I sat on my computer and someone else from the church had sent me an email saying, You know, I've been sitting on this for a couple of weeks, but I felt like the Lord really gave me this dream, and I just feel it's for the church, and I want to share it. And it was different pictures, but word for word, exactly the same message as the dream that Adam had had as well. So he was so encouraged, this other person was encouraged, we're all encouraged that the Lord is speaking. And I I genuinely feel that we are on the cusp, like we're on the brink of just seeing this glorious move of His presence. I really feel that. And I wouldn't say that I believe it's going to be necessarily tomorrow or next week or next month. I don't know the timing, but I know we're in a season of preparation. had this great testimony from Suzanne Pillins, most of you would know. But uh, she was with us a month ago, and then after she was with us in Australia, she went to New Zealand. She wrote this, and I wrote it down because I didn't want to misquote her. She said, we had a great time in Australia, but we had an even greater time in New Zealand. I read that, and there was a bit of holy jealousy that arose in me, but we'll move on. So just before the last week, the Holy Spirit suddenly came so powerfully, in our meetings as I was speaking, that we all went down on our faces in His glorious manifest presence. She said, after two and a half hours in that place, we all got to our feet changed. She went on, many people received healing, deliverance, and the Lord's presence just continued to come on all the rest of our meetings. That was the final week in New Zealand. She said, I've just received an email to say the presence of the Lord has continued in those places after she left and has continued as she's been speaking in church meetings in England. Now, I believe that, you know, that's not going to be the exception. That's going to be the norm as, as we gather His glorious presence coming in power. But there's two things in particular, and I know that we've focused on these a number of times in our Sunday messages. There's two things. There's two pillars, if you like. There's two structures. There's two ways in which the Lord is calling us and inviting us to be prepared. And one is worship, and I know we've focused a lot on worship, intentionally so, because that's what the Lord's saying, I want to restore that sense of coming with reverence, that sense of awe, that sense of putting Him in the place that He deserves to be. But the second, and this is what links into the passage we read, the second thing that I believe that He is stirring up and encouraging us in at the moment is this area of intimacy. And I'll explain what I mean. Now, there's a lot of different areas that we could talk about when we, we talk about this picture of the bride of Christ. But really, the heart of it, I believe, is simply this. It's the Lord telling us that He really desires intimacy with His people. He really does. I believe so strongly that in this season, we are to pursue the Lord in worship, and where to pursue the Lord with this sense of intimacy, seeking after Him for who He is. And I had a week. This is just—I don't mind sharing my personal journey with this, or part of it, anyway. Hopefully, it encourages. I wouldn't share these two uh, much further than this room, although I know Catherine's recording it, so maybe we can delete this later. But I had—I had this week um, a couple of months ago where, and and this year for me as well has been a year where the Lord really has been giving me, has been saying a lot of things, a lot of downloads, a lot of dreams, which is not something that normally I would experience. And I had these two dreams over two nights, which I knew very specifically from the Lord. And how I know is if, you know, if I've been watching a certain movie and then you, you dream of something you've seen that day, etc., then I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't know if that was the Lord or if that was the bad pizza the night before. or But if it's something that I would never normally dream, it's out of context, I've not been thinking in that way at all, then normally it's a very clear evidence to me that it is in fact the Lord trying to say something. And so I went to sleep this one particular night and all of a sudden it was like being in a, you know, one of those corny romance novels. One of those movies that I would never sit down to watch. My wife doesn't mind those romance novels. But all of a sudden, there was this this young couple who were just madly in love with one another. They weren't a couple that I knew. I wasn't in this dream, but I saw them there. I never really got a good look at their faces, which I think was intentional. That wasn't the point of the dream. But it was literally this young couple, and they're there in different scenery. They're taking a long walk along the beach. They're walking through parks. I was sitting behind them on the bus. You know, you get those people on the bus that are just so into each other that everybody else is embarrassed for them. You think, really? Does it have to go? But they they had no thought of anything else. It was just this young love, this pure desire to just be with one another and no other thought, nothing else around them mattered in any way, sense or form. And I woke up, and I knew straight away that the Lord was saying you know he 's what ephesians five twenty five talks about this talks about the way husband husbands love their wife reflects how Christ loved the church he 's given us these earthly relationships, the closest of all human relationships, the relationship between husband and wife, to reflect his passionate desire for his people he doesn 't just want to save us, he wants this relationship where We're so into one another that nothing else matters. Everything else pales into insignificance in the light of His incredible love. If you read the Song of Songs, it's literally about this bridegroom who pursues his bride, relentless love and affection. That's a picture of God's love. It's this passionate love. It's this love that leaps over boundaries and walls to reach to us, to rescue us, to ignite in us this passion to seek after Him. And I just had, I had that resonating through my heart the entire day. And it changes your perspective when you grab a hold of this thing of not only does God want to save me, but He actually likes me. <laughs> he, He's actually pursuing me. He's saying, this is my desire for you that we would have this same intimate relationship. So I thought, well, that's pretty good. Lord, I'll have more of those sort of dreams. You know, I was kind of buzzing for the day. I'm like, this is amazing. And so the next night I went to bed. I said, all right, Lord, more of these dreams. This is, this is wonderful. Just tell me whatever you want to tell me. And I had a dream and literally it affected me so much that I, I woke up you know, visibly shaking, not because it was scary, but because of the grief. But again, I had this dream of a couple that were in love, or a married couple, and then all of a sudden, from this place of great intimacy, this bride began to go and sell herself to anyone who would give her any sort of affection. And I I felt in that moment, I felt the brokenness, the brokenness and the, the hurt and the pain And and it was just this weight, as I said, I woke up. I was like, okay, I don't know if I can handle many more of these dreams, Lord. But he spoke very clearly to me, both of his desire for affection, but his jealous affection. And I, I just woke up with that sense of, Lord, I am so sorry for all those times in my life that I've run after and I've chased after things that are not the love that I was created for. And how quickly I do prostitute the gift that I've been given for anything, searching for love in any place. And so really quickly as I've just been pondering this whole thing of the Lord's desire for intimacy and of His desire for us to seek after Him, I know our time's probably almost up, but I want to give you three really quick things that the Lord continues to press upon me And if you've heard some of the messages over the last little while, some of these will probably sound familiar. But this sort of intimacy, number one, it's all about what He's desiring us to give Him, not just to get from Him. It's not about what we get, but it's about what we give. And I mentioned a few weeks ago, I just think it's amazing at times how much of a self-aware generation we are. We know what we like, we know what pleases us, what tickles our fancy, we know what sort of worship we like, we know what sort of services, we, we, we know all about us. The problem is that we were never meant to be the object of our own affection. We were created to give our affection And our love to Him. And you see, He has this desire. He does. He is a Father who longs to meet our needs. He longs to come. He says, there's no strings attached. Here I am. I'm here to rescue you. And He continues to rescue us. But He has this desire that we will grow up from that place of being rescued to a place where we will not only be the recipients of affection, but the givers of affection. Like, I'm more than happy with my four beautiful daughters to just lavish my love upon them. They are the object of my affection. But it's my desire to see them grow up and mature so that we can have a relationship. And a relationship, by definition, it's got to be two ways. It's not just, I know everything I want and I'm here just to receive. It's, no, 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 the passion of my heart is actually to pursue you. And the thought terrifies me, but I just hope there is a day when my girls find someone that they love and they get married i mean i pity the poor boy who comes to my door and asks for my daughter's hand in marriage and i dread having that conversation but at the same time that's my desire that there'd be a time where they're so passionately in love with someone that they have this fulfilling longing relationship because that's what they're created for and that's what we are created for not just to receive We've got to receive, we've got to know his love, but his desire is for us to be people who grow up into this relationship of affection and desire for him. The second thing that the Lord continues to place on my heart is that this sort of intimacy is all about relationship, not just religious activity. We're such a busy people. We're always doing things. And even in the church, you know, we've got how to do a religious relationship down pat. We know when to turn up, we know what seat to sit in and look at if someone sits in our seat on a Sunday. We know how to do services, we know how many passages of the Scripture we need to get through to get to the, through, the, through the Bible reading plan in a year. And there's nothing wrong with religious activity, but we'd never want to fall into the trap of replacing the call to relationship with religious activity. See, that's His call. And often I ask myself this, Am I doing whatever it might be? Am I reading the Scriptures because I have to, because it's a duty, because I know it's the right thing to do as a Christian? Or am I reading the Scriptures because I get to? Am I coming to church because I have to, because it's what Christians do, we come? Or or am I coming because I get to? Because I get to come and gather with other believers and just worship God and encounter His presence. Because I get to pursue Him and seek after Him with everything that's in my heart. I know I'm moving through these very quickly, but let's never fall into the trap of replacing his call to relationship with our religious activity. And the third one, really quickly, is this sort of intimacy is not just a theology. It is an encounter. And I know I've shared this before, but I've always loved uh, hearing Brian Simmons, who some of you might know, He's doing the translation of the Passion Version of the Bible. And he was asked once by an interview I heard, and they said to him, what is your, you know, you've translated the whole of Scripture, what is your favourite book of the Bible? Now, that's a pretty big call to make, isn't it, for any of us. What book of the Bible would you say was your favourite book? Well, he said, without hesitation, he said, it is the Song of Song. And he went on to say the key, he believes, of the book of Song of Songs is the first sentence. The first four words, let him kiss me. And he said we've become a generation that's so good at analyzing. Analyzing is important. We're so good at accumulating knowledge, of learning but we're so far removed at times of that journey from the head to the heart. And as, as he phrases so well, he says, the measureless love of God can't be analysed. Some things are just not meant for analysis. You can look at that first instruction, let him kiss me. And the reality is, if you analyse a kiss, it would never happen. You'd be overthinking it. You'd think about all the slobber and the teeth and the lips and the germs. I mean, where's the mouth been? And... If you analyze a kiss, it will never happen. The key is just in embracing, isn't it? You just pucker up and hope for the best. Let him kiss me. The measureless love of God is not meant for analysis alone. It's meant for encounter. And that's what the invitation is to. He's saying, just remember, we're all heading for a wedding feast. But the good news is we don't have to wait until then to experience the love, the pursuit and the passion of a bridegroom. And in fact, there's nothing that will prepare us, I believe, better for the season that's ahead than hearing that call to intimacy. Than allowing his experiential love to transform us, to grab a hold of us, to pursue him with passion and to allow him to do all that he desires to do through us in this coming season. So I just want to pray for us, if we can close our eyes. Had two things in particular, just as we finish in that place of allowing the Lord to do what he wants to do. And the first is, I would just love to pray for all of us that the Lord would awaken a greater level of intimacy within us. And I don't know if you've been walking with the Lord for 10 minutes or 100 years. I don't know whether you feel like you've experienced some of the love of God or a lot of the love of God. The reality is there's always more. There's always greater depths. So I want to pray for that. But I also want to give us an opportunity and... Part of this journey for me has just been really repenting with the Lord for all the times that I've made this incredible call to relationship about so many other things than it really is. About getting caught up in what God can do for me rather than what He's desiring me to do for Him. Getting caught up in religious activity, even good things, and prioritizing that over relationship even at times being caught up in running after all the other loves, the affection and the appraise of people, rather than running into his arms. So before I pray for that just awakening of a deeper desire for intimacy in our hearts, I want to give you a moment. Let's just ask the Lord. Lord, I just pray that there might be that sense of just turning back to you this morning, for each one of us here that if there is anything that by your Spirit you would reveal to us, any ways in which we need to repent, any ways in which we need to turn back to you, Lord, we thank you that you are ever gracious, that you are ever kind, that your arms are always open. And I pray that this would be a moment of just turning back to you, of where we need to, Lord, just saying, we are sorry. We're so sorry for the times that we've taken for granted the incredible, passionate love of the bridegroom. We're so sorry where perspectives have robbed us from the true perspective. And Lord, I pray that this would be a moment of you just coming, Holy Spirit, and just starting a fresh, a flame of passionate love in our hearts. Lord, I pray even now that you would birth that desire and that longing for intimacy. To seek you, God, not for what you can do for us, but just for who you are, the lover of our souls, that we would hear the call to intimacy, intimacy, And that, Lord, nothing else would matter in that perspective. The Things going on around us, we are pursuing you, the eternal King of heaven, our bridegroom. Lord, I thank you that there will be a day where we celebrate with you. But for now, Lord, would we be a people who cry out with eager anticipation, Even so, Lord Jesus, come, the Spirit and the Bride, say come. Lord, just do what you have to do in our hearts and lives so that we might become the Bride that you desire. May your Bride arise in this day and this time, a glorious Bride without spot or wrinkle, a warrior Bride, an end-time Bride that will accomplish your purposes and plans on this earth. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.